Our gospel reading this evening is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The season of Lent is a season of discipline. It's not a time for self-exaltation, for earning stars in your crown, Look at how good I'm doing at giving something up for Lent or how pious I'm being for having come to the church's um, Ash Wednesday service. You know, that's I'm glad you're here. (laughs) But Lent is a season for humbling yourself. For examining yourself. For reflecting on how we participate in and benefit from the systems that cause harm to other people. It's a season for repentance, for changing your mind, and a season for discipline, for making a concerted, intentional effort to love God or love our neighbors. Discipline in the athletic world means suffering. <laughs> I, I'm not much of an athlete other than this running gig that I've been doing this past year, um, But when I see people lift weights uh, repeatedly or talk about not skipping leg day, I don't even know what that means, but apparently they don't, I mean, it's a mark of honor to not skip leg day to make sure you're doing all your leg workouts. Um, When I see people working through the pain, uh, pushing their bodies to the limit, I think, wow, that takes a lot of discipline. And a lot of the time, the end result of that kind of athletic discipline happens at the race or the competition or the Olympics. And the, those who do the best training are the ones that are rewarded with the success, the personal bests, the gold medals. All of the discipline is preparation for the main event. But in the spiritual world, The preparation is the main event. The discipline is the work. Discipline is very closely related to the word disciple 
You ever notice that? Discipline, you take out the I-N of discipline and you have the word disciple. They share a common root word. Anyone who wants to follow Jesus, he said, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. That takes discipline. We are to be more like the tax collector in Jesus' parable, less like the Pharisee. Jesus told this parable to people who were confident of their own righteousness, who looked down on other people. Now, overconfidence or a greater sense of righteousness than you ought to have is a problem. And we often try to correct that problem by lowering our Self-confidence. But the opposite of overconfidence is not a lack of confidence. The opposite of overconfidence is humility before God. Knowing who you are in relationship to God. And humility is a discipline. A discipline that leads to repentance, to changing your mind, to living differently. It takes work, much like lifting weights or going through leg day. It takes repeated effort. Jesus said in the parable here that the tax collector went home justified before God and the Pharisee didn't. The Pharisee saw no need to change. He thought he was doing just fine. And to be fair, he was doing some good things, giving a tenth of all he has and fasting twice a day. These spiritual disciplines, these Uh, Very important disciplines are important. He was doing okay as far as his actions were going, but his heart was not in the right spot. And so he saw no need to change. There was no discipline involved in what he was doing. The tax collector went home justified. And Jesus is just making up a story here. We don't know what the tax collector would have done next because it was just a story. But if you imagine what the tax collector might have done next, he might have chosen to live very differently because of God's mercy. Have mercy on me, O God, for I am a sinner. And he went home justified. And maybe he lived differently. Well, the very next chapter in Luke's gospel tells the story of a tax collector a real-life tax collector who met Jesus, had that sense of uh, needing God's mercy, and then went home and changed the way he lived. His name is Zacchaeus, of course. It's the very next chapter. This parable comes to life in Jesus' experience. Zacchaeus chose to live differently because of God's mercy. He realized that his humility before God had to be enacted. It had to become a discipline, and a painful discipline at that. Zacchaeus had cheated people out of their money. Tax collectors, of course, were able to extort extra money out of their common people, their fellow uh, Jews in that region. As long as they sent the share off to the IRS, I mean Rome, uh, they didn't care what else happened, and you could keep the extra, um, just use that as a point of connection, not to say anything about the, uh, understand that's where the taxes went, but the extra that came in to the tax collectors was their profit. And so they got as much as they could. Zacchaeus had had cheated a lot of people out of a lot of money. But after meeting Jesus, and after Jesus inviting himself over for dinner, Zacchaeus had a change of heart that translated into 
a difficult discipline. He said, I will give half of my possessions to the poor and I will repay anyone what I have cheated them four times as much as I've taken from them. That's a painful discipline to enact. For Zacchaeus, the discipline was the work. It wasn't in preparation for anything in the future. It was the work that he was called to do right then and there. And in response, Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house, to Zacchaeus' house. Spiritual discipline is not to be feared or ignored. We should lean into seasons of discipline and practice and preparation because preparation is the main event. Discipline is the work. So the season of Lent, which is a season of preparation, an ancient season of spiritual preparation, is a is preparing for something down the road, our celebration of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, but the discipline is the work, too. As I was looking through my resources, I have a book of worship from the United Methodist Church that I've had since seminary days. I refer to it for um, orders of service for weddings and funerals and stuff like that. It has a section about Ash Wednesday as well and the season of Lent. And I thought it would be fitting to share this with you today. It says this about, about Lent. The early Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion, his suffering, and resurrection. And it became the custom of the church that before the Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and and the need that we all have to renew our faith. And then the paragraph concludes with this call. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer and fasting and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. So to help with that discipline, this is an idea for you. To, uh, to try, and if you want to use this, you certainly may, and if not, uh, you can pass it on to somebody else. Maybe it'll be useful to them. But in your uh, bulletin, there's an insert here with a spiritual practice for Lent 2020. And what I've listed out for you are all of the days between now and uh, the day before Easter. And for each day during this season, there is a single verse of the Bible, just one verse that's listed. So each day during this season, you can take this sheet and find the verse for the day and read it. And you might want to see what it's about, what the story that it sits inside is about, um, so you can understand sort of what it's talking about. You can read more than just that one verse, but emphasize that one verse, meditate on that one verse, and uh, meditate on that key word that comes out of that verse. There's a key word associated with each of these verses. 
And uh, think about what role that word plays in that verse. And then you can pray a prayer based on that one verse and the key word that goes with it. You might want to write down your prayers as a discipline so that you can look back on those prayers through the course of this season. I'll show you how it works. Today is the first day, of course, of, of Lent, Wednesday the 26th of February. And the first verse there is Genesis 7, 4. And as you open up to Genesis 7, you'll see, oh, we're right in the middle of the flood. This is the story of Noah and the flood. And the key word here is living. So here's verse 4. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. So the practice would be to sit with that verse for a little while and to meditate on what God was doing and why God was doing it and what it means that he would wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that he has made. And then the next day, tomorrow, you would return to this same story. You see in this first week, uh, we're we're focusing on these 40 days of rain, uh, the 40 days of rain during the flood of Noah. So each day this week, you would open up to this same story and read a little bit more and emphasize a little different part of the story. Each week during this season, we'll focus on a different section of 40 days of something. Uh, The first section, of course, is the 40 days of rain during the flood of Noah. Second is the 40 days of God's presence. This is in the story in in 1 Kings 19, where uh, the prophet Elijah is fleeing for his life from Ahab and Jezebel. uh, And he goes on a 40-day journey from Israel all the way down to Mount Sinai, or Mount Horeb, as it's called in that passage. Um, And he experiences God's presence during those 40 days, 40 days of presence there, the second week. The third week are 40 days of taunting. And this is the story in 1 Samuel 17 of David and Goliath. 40 days shows up there because Goliath taunted the Israelites for 40 days before David showed up uh, to put an end to that. (laughs) 40 days of taunting. The fourth week on the back side of the page, 40 days of change. You see the references to Jonah there. So you think of the story of Jonah. And uh, he did not preach for 40 days. It didn't take that long to get in and out of the city of Nineveh. But his message was 40 days more and God will bring judgment on Nineveh. And within a few days, the people all repented and turned to God. And he was very upset by that. 40 days of change. The fifth week of Lent will be 40 days of the wild, or 40 days of the wilderness. And this is the story of Jesus in the wilderness as he's being tempted by the devil. Uh, This happens to be our sermon text for this Sunday, Matthew 4. Uh, So we'll repeat that as a kind of an emphasis through the days of the week, that fifth week of Lent. The last portion of Lent, the last half week from Wednesday up to Saturday, uh, 40 days of movement. And this has to do with the early uh, chapter, the first chapter, the early verses of Acts. um, When Jesus rose from the dead and then walked with his disciples for a period of time, he was with them for 40 days. Again, 40. Um, 40 is a number that means a lot. 
but not infinite. <laughs> and so it shows up in a lot of different places in Scripture. So the last three days of that week, we'll look into the, that first chapter of Acts. You'll notice on April 4th, we'll return. That's not a misprint. We'll return to the same verse that we've read today, Genesis 7-4, about living, to kind of wrap up the whole season. And then through Holy Week, from Palm Sunday, which is April 5th, through Good Friday the, the 10th, and then Saturday the 11th, we'll walk with Jesus as he goes into Jerusalem and approaches the cross. Um, not 40 days, of course, but, but most important of days. So I leave that with you as a, a, a practice, um, a discipline maybe that uh, you can modify for your own use. You can do it with other people if you like. You can, uh, you can put a blurb on Facebook about it. I don't, you can do whatever you want with it. Well, sorry, not Facebook. That's okay. I know. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. You're not the only one. That's all right. Don't mean to point you out. But, um, but it's, it's a tool that maybe can be useful for you to, to help you recognize God's presence in the midst of the rain in your life or the wandering or the taunting or whatever the situation might be. Um, this is a, a chance for us to recognize God's presence with us along the journey. But remember that this spiritual discipline is not about making you good in God's eyes. The Pharisee in Jesus' parable did a lot of stuff that he thought made him good, but that's not, that's not the thing. That's not what it's about. In fact, whether or not you are good isn't the question at all that Jesus was asking in this parable. The question is whether or not you are humble before God. And the guarantee of the parable is that God indeed is merciful. The tax collector went home justified because God heard his prayer.